Hey, this is Dave Ryder from New Spring Church here in beautiful Perth, Western Australia. Really praying that this message is going to help you. If you'd like some more information about our story, just head to newspring.org.au. Yes, Lord, we thank you so much that you are our God and that right now we get to uh, sit under your word. God, we pray that you would uh, speak to us through your word. Lord, I pray that you help me to uh, expound your word with clarity, with passion, with accuracy. And I pray, God, that every one of us here, me included, that you would open our eyes and our ears to receive your word. That we are not just hearers, Lord, but we are doers of your word. And that whatever you want to say to us, we submit and we want to be obedient to your teaching. So would you help us? Oh, we need you right now, God. Holy Spirit, you be our great teacher this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please grab a seat. Thank you, worship team. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Uh, for those who don't know me, my name is Bin, and uh, I'm the pastor at Sun Life Church in Leaderville. It is always a joy to, uh, to open up the Word of God, and uh, this is a new setting for me, so I'm going to try to preach and make sure I make eye contact with everyone. But my apologies if I spend most of the time in this direction, all right, because my notes are here. That's it. But to Pastor Dave and your lovely wife, who's not here, congratulations in just being faithful servants of the Lord in the last 10 plus years. Um, I just love your heart for the gospel and your heart for this community. You know, God has really been so wise in placing you and your family here, because I think this church here, you have an amazing leader, you have an amazing man of God who, who loves you a lot. And uh, he loves you, he loves the word, he loves Jesus. So keep, there's your lovely wife there. So keep praying for them. Um, I, I know how tough pastoring is. You know, I've done 11 years at Sun Life Church and a few more years before that. And wow, it is tough. I used to be a high school teacher, dealing with high schoolers, teenagers, walking a park. Not a problem at all. Go to ministry, it is from the cradle to the grave, and it is tough. So, well done on 10 amazing years, and when you guys do go on that break, have a great time. I write to Pastor Brett, who I'm not quite sure where he is. Uh, he's going to, you know, really take care of this church here, and, and it's, it's, it's great that you can release your pastors to really enjoy their time together, refresh, recharge, and come back for the next chapter. So, give them a round of applause. Yeah, well done, guys. Um, thank you to this church, again, for allowing me to unpack the Word of God with you. I don't take it lightly, and so I am grateful that I have the privilege to work through the text with you. And I've been told that you are going through uh, relationships, and I was given by your lovely pastor, uh, <laughs> Ephesians um, chapter 5, verses 22 onwards. And if you have been reading through Ephesians, he's dealing with relationships, and in this particular part of Ephesians, it's the relationship between a husband and a wife, all right? So that's the passage that I've been given. But let me just start off by saying a few things before I dive into the text here. Now, my wife and I, Tran, we've been married now for over 20 years. Don't look like it. Got married when we were probably 12. It looks like that, right? <laughs> and we have this routine. We have this routine on Sunday nights. 
Sunday night, so unfortunately not tonight because I'm actually on a plane this afternoon <laughs> to the East Coast, but on Sunday night we usually watch a movie. That's the only time we watch TV. We don't have much time to watch TV during the week. Uh, so Sunday night, it's, it's Netflix, we watch a movie, and uh, my lovely wife, Tran, uh, she loves watching all those romantic comedies, all right? So when she gets to select a movie, it's all those starring probably Hugh Grant, uh, Adam Sandler, all those, you know, nice romantic comedy where I'm just asking for God's grace to watch through the whole movie with her, right? And when I am selecting a movie, my movies are all senseless action movies. The more action, the more I love it. And Tran, she loves the, the romantic comedies, the one where he falls in love with her, and she falls in love with him, and they have a bit of a breakup. She gets disappointed. She decides to leave the city, head towards the airport. He realizes that he loves her, he can't live without her. So he runs towards the airport, <laughs> catches her before she catches a plane, tells her that he loves her. They kiss, more kissing, walk off happily ever after. You know, we love those types of movies. Yeah? We live in a culture where we love to see people fall in love. We love to watch or read stories or novels of people falling in love. Now, there's a danger in that thinking because the danger is that it creates this idea that love is only found in human relationship. You see, the idea teaches that if you find a soulmate, and you find a soulmate, then you truly experience love. But that's not a biblical understanding of love. Because there's a problem. We live in brokenness. And that concept will be very challenging for anyone who's divorced, Anyone who's a widow or anyone who's single. Because it eliminates the idea of finding true love. And the, the biblical idea of true love, and we need to understand it in Ephesians, is actually not a relationship with another human being, but it's the creator with his creation. And I'll show you in the text before we go a bit deeper. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Ephesians 5, verse 31. Paul says this, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Now, this is reference to the first marriage found in, if you know your Bible, Genesis chapter 2, Adam and Eve, right? So what Paul is saying is that I want to take you back to the perfect marriage before chapter 3 of Genesis is the 4, before sin entering into the world. This is the perfect relationship, okay? Now, look what he does next in verse 32 of Ephesians 5. He says this, this mystery, in other words, this whole flesh becoming one, you know, husband and wife, this mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. So what he's saying is this, listen carefully, he's saying that marriage, the relationship between a male and a female, right, is actually a picture of this relationship between Jesus and the church. So if you are given the gift of marriage, just a show of hands, who's married here? Just a show of hands, great. If you are given the gift of marriage, listen carefully, your relationship is actually meant to point to the relationship between Jesus and his people. All right? So in other words, if your relationship is not a picture of Jesus and the church, you've got to reassess how you're doing 
marriage. That's what Paul is saying right here. And so when Jesus loves the church, we're not talking about a building or an institution. We're talking about the people, the followers of Jesus. Therefore, marriage has its ultimate end goal in Jesus and the church. Okay, you need to understand that. That means that if you are single, divorce, a widow, your end goal is actually not marriage, but your end goal is Jesus and you. That's what he's saying right here. So I, I need to get that out of the way because what happens is that we then end up worshipping marriage. We end up having this thinking like Hollywood wants us to think that unless I find my soulmate, unless I meet that Mr. Right or Mrs. Right, then I truly experience ultimate joy. That's not what the text is saying. The text is saying if you are in a relationship, husband or wife, that is a mystery which points towards Jesus and you. So if you're not in a marriage, if your marital status is single or whatever it is, apart from marriage, it's okay. You can still find ultimate satisfaction because you're still Find it in Jesus. Do you understand that? Now, I need to get that out of the way because if I don't get that out of the way, what happens is when we read Ephesians 5, we go, oh, wait a minute. I'm not married. It's got nothing to do with me. Therefore, I'm not going to worry about chapter 5. I'll just move on. No, we need to understand that what Paul is doing right now is he's saying that if you are married, right, ultimately your relationship points to Jesus and the church. He's also saying this, if you're not married... Paul says, I want to highlight that responsibility and then I want you to ask yourself the question, do you want to get married? Because Paul does that. If you, if you know in, if, in Corinthians chapter 7, right, if you go there with me, look what Paul says in chapter 7. He says, 7, he says, Now to the unmarried and the widows I say, it is good for them to stay unmarried as I do. So what Paul does in um, 1 Corinthians 7, he starts talking about guidelines for marriage. Now he's not a married man. Right? But he understands, inspired by the Holy Spirit, he says, this is what marriage ought to look like. Do you really want to get married? That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. Right? So, so, so if, if the preacher preaches the word right in regards to marriage, the big question for the singles would be, do I really want to get married? Because these are the guidelines to what Christ and the church looks like, and is my marriage portraying that? Do you understand that, right? So I, I want to I talk a bit about now for those who are married, but for those who are not married, right, ask yourself, yourself this question, do I really want to get married after hearing what Bin has to say? <laughs> right? Because this is the text. Okay, now, I titled this message here, A Marriage Centered in Christ, and I want to talk about three loves in the text. The first one is a submissive love, there's, it's on the screen here. The second one is a sacrificial love. And the third one is a sanctifying love. You got that? So this is a good time to open up your Bible, Ephesians 5, from verses 22 onwards. So let's just go straight to the text. A submissive love. Look in verse 22, 23, and 24. Wives, to the wives here, submit to your own husband. Your husband, okay? As to the Lord. So in other words, how you submit to Jesus, you've got to submit to your husband. 
Remember, again, this is not me. This is the text, all right? If you don't like this, all right, leave me alone. Right? It's the text, right? Okay? Now, now, verse 23, he says, For the husband is the head of the wife. Again, this is the text, right? This is the word of God, okay? Even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and he himself its savior. Verse 24, Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Stop right there. You notice that the word submit, the word submission, is the central theme in the first three verses right here. Right? We live in a culture, we don't like the word submission. We don't like it, especially Aussie culture. This whole, if someone's in authority, we like to attack them, we want to cut them down, we want to criticize them. It's the whole tall poppy syndrome, is that right? We just don't like that. But scripture is very clear. Right here, Paul talks about submitting under someone. If you know Colossians 3, Paul also talks about submission. Okay, 1 Peter 3, Peter talks about submission. And 1 Corinthians 11, there is submission. All right, it's not a new thing to Paul's writing. And right here in Ephesians 5, Paul says, Wives, you've got to submit to the husband because, and it gives a reason why, because the text says he's the head of the wife. All right, again, it's the, it's the text, right? And the word head here in classical Greek means he has authority. He's your ruler. All right? I know, it's hard, eh? It's hard, but this is the text, right? Thanks to your pastor, Dave, I get this text, right? <laughs> this might be the last time I'm here, okay? Now, listen carefully, listen carefully. Paul gives wives a reason to submit. The text says the reason is because he's the head, which means he has authority. And when you have authority, you have responsibility. So what he's really saying is that if you want your wives to submit to your husband, I'm giving you authority, but then there is a responsibility. You know, like if you're driving through a, a school zone, right, and you see the lollipop man or lollipop woman come out with their nice vest and their green, orange, whatever flag, and the whistle, what would you do? You slow down. Is that right? Now, if Dave or myself, we did that in the middle of the road, there's a very good chance I'd probably speed up, right? Knock us over. Yeah, knock us over. Right, there's, two, there's two less pastors, right? <laughs> right? Right? But the, the lollipop person has authority. Authority to stop traffic. But with that authority, there's a responsibility to make sure that the children will cross the road safely. Is that right? And so what Paul is saying right here is saying, husband, you're the head. Which means in classical Greek, you are the ruler, you have authority. And what he's saying is, because you have authority, there's a responsibility that I'm placing upon you. All right? And you better use that responsibility well. Right? And if you use it well in a godly and loving way, you can see Godly submission. And when the two comes together, right, we see a picture of Jesus and the church. Do you understand that? And so authority, right, in a relationship between a husband and wife does not mean, listen carefully, ladies, it does not mean that the husband is your boss. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that he's better than you, ladies. All right? I should hear more amens from the ladies than the guys here. Right? It doesn't mean that he's smarter than you, ladies doesn't. It doesn't mean that you're his slave and he can do whatever he wants to do and you're inferior and it's his way or the highway. It doesn't mean that because I read scripture and I see in scripture that God created male and female equal. 
I see in Scripture when He created humanity, it was a man and a woman. All right? Genesis 1, 27. Male and female, He created them in His own image. Ladies, you're in the image of God. Men, you're in the image of God. We're equal. Nowhere in Scripture it says that a man is greater than a woman. So when you hear someone teach you Ephesians 5 and starts going down the path of, well, he's wearing the pants in the family. He's more superior. He's the ruler. He's the boss. He knows better than you. That's wrong. I don't see that in the text. I'm going back to the text. The text tells me is that we're equal. We're equal. Male, female, we're equal. But the text also says that uh, submission in marriage is God's design. Because otherwise it wouldn't be in the text. And if something comes from God, then I trust that my God is a good father. Therefore, it must be good for me. Because God's design would never harm me. Is that right? So, so I, I would trust God here. Because God is saying in His Word that this is what He wants. And in marriage, there's godly submission. So when you have a husband who is godly, who is loving, and who is kind, and he understands his responsibility, and he conducts himself well, then you find lovely submission. And the two comes together, and that's a picture of how Christ in the church operates. So wise, when we see submission, what you want to see is this whole concept of I honor him. I respect him, I submit to him because he is the head, which means he holds a responsibility. And I'm going to do that out of love and joy because I'm not going to submit because the text says so, but deep down there's resentment, there's bitterness. But there's no submission there. That's hypocrisy. So when we submit, we're really saying, ladies, you're really saying, I recognize and I honor the great responsibility my husband has in leading my family. That's what you're saying right there. So practically, ladies, we do this with joy. We don't do it with bitterness or resentment. True submission is saying, well, wait a minute. I'm going to submit to him because this is God's design and my Father in heaven, he knows what's best. Therefore, I'm going to trust his design because he wants the best for my relationship. So I'm going to submit with joy. Because right now, maybe for some of you right now, ladies, you find it very hard to submit to your husband. Don't get upset with me. The text says that this is part of God's purpose for godly relationship. Submit with joy. Also understand, listen carefully, ladies, that submission does not mean that it's your husband's will over God's will. Do you understand that? So you need to also know that if it's your husband's agenda and it's his will and it's not in line with God's agenda and God's will, you back away. There are, there are many wonderful parameters for us to understand when it comes to godly submission in marriage. It also means, ladies, is that you're not passive in the relationship. You're not passive. You, you are there to engage. You're there to question. You're there to just figure it out. You can't just go, well, you know, the Bible says I've got to submit, so zip it. I won't say anything. No. You're not passive. You want to engage with him. Submission also means that you are not meant to be living in fear. Because if you're in a relationship and you are living in fear because you're afraid of him, then clearly, clearly he doesn't get 
his role as head of the relationship. So ask yourself the question, is there fear? Because there shouldn't be fear. When you submit in this relationship, you should be expecting life in the relationship. You should be expecting joy, blessing. Because if your husband gets this right, he represents Christ. And you are the bride of Christ. You know, my, Mary and I, my, my wife and I, we've been married for 12 years. And when we got married, I, I said to my wife, hey, I, I would love to live in an old house with wooden floors, high ceilings. And Tran, my wife, didn't like that concept. Um, she just said she wants to live in a newer house, a new, newer built area. And I said, look, honey, I'd really love to live somewhere close to the city. You know, I've got my eye on this house in Mount Hawthorne 20 years ago. And she's like saying, nah, I don't really like Mount Hawthorne because it's far from the northern suburbs where our families are from. And, and the houses in Mount Hawthorne were around 70, 80 years old, falling apart. And I said to her, look, honey, I can see the potential. I can see the location. She goes, I really want to live in a, in a newer house, maybe somewhere a bit closer to mum and dad's up in, like, the northern suburbs. And the prices were the same. I could have bought, I could have bought a, a newer house in, say, Beachboro or Bella Jura, Alexander Heights, for around the 200, 250K mark 20 years ago. Nice big house, swimming pool, amazing. I know. I know. So I said to her, honey... I, I, said, I said to myself, I said, hey, look, um, do you trust me? I didn't play the whole Ephesians 5 card. <laughs> I, did, I, should, I should have. <laughs> no, I didn't. And she, said, she looked at me and she says, you know what? I trust you. I know that you want the best for our marriage, our relationship. I'm going to back you. I tell you, we bought this house in Mount Hawthorne, $250,000. Full block, subdividable. It was a very small house. This guy lived by himself. He had a dog, and the dog had some kind of scab or some kind of rash that it would rub against the wall. <laughs> so you walk into the house, and anywhere from the knee down, it was just black marks everywhere. So I had to tell my wife, I had to tell my wife, honey, just trust me here. <laughs> so I'm cleaning the house, trying to give a new bit of a bit of reno. Well, anyhow, we stayed in that house for seven years. We sold that house, and uh, yeah, we were very blessed. We were very, very blessed. And every now and then, I would say to her, wow, that was a good move, hey, babe. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> you know, and, and I would wink and I would smile, and, and, and we laugh about it. You know? But she knew that I made the decision not because it was my will, not because I wanted to prove to her a point, but I did it because I loved her, and I want her to trust me. See, fellas... Your wives will only submit to you if you understand your role as head because you hold the responsibility of leading that relationship well. And if you're not, I don't blame her for not following your lead. Yeah. So, ladies, keep honouring your husband. You want to see a relationship, a marriage, which portrays Jesus in the church? Wives, submit. Honour, respect. Do that. Because the word of God says so. So now I'm moving to the fellas. All right. I spoke, spoke to them about the ladies. Now Paul addresses the husband. It's a sacrificial love. Look in verse 25. He says, husband. Hands up all the fellas. You guys who are married. This is all you now. Me too, me too, me too. Love your wives easy. We can do that. We love her. 
Yeah, we can love her. Just as Christ loved the church. Yep, we can do that. And now die. <laughs> That's what he says right there. And he gave up himself for her. That's it. All right? So we, we, we like the I can love her part. That's easy. But now give up your life for her. Did you hear that? You see this, the sacrifice in that? You see, the text is very clear that our marriage should point to the relationship between Jesus and the church. Is that right? And what did Jesus do for the church, the people? He died. That's it. He died for the church. He gave up himself for the church. And the Bible is very clear that that death was the perfect picture of love. Why? Because it was a reconciliation between us and the Father. Romans 5, 8 says this, But God demonstrated His own love for us in this while we were still sinners. In other words, when we were not deserving of anything, right? Jesus died for us. That's the love we see demonstrated in God through Christ. And so when you think about a sacrificial love, you look at what Jesus did. He set aside His agenda and He placed the church first. Because if you know your text, if you know your Bible, Jesus did not want to go to the cross, remember? Because you have 100% God, but also 100% man who knew the pain of crucifixion. And that's why the God of Gethsemane, he was saying, can you please take this away? Take this cup, take this rock. I don't want to experience this. Father, I don't want to go through this. I don't want to go through the pain, the humiliation of death on the cross. But then he says at the end of his prayer, your will be done. Your will over." my will. So he's really saying is that I am going to do the Father's will and I'm going to set aside my agenda because my agenda is I don't want to go to the cross, but I'm going to sacrifice and give up my life for these people here. Philippians 2, what Dave was saying earlier on, he humbled himself, that's Jesus. He became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Set aside his agenda, says it wasn't about me, it was about the people before me. So husband, if you start quoting Ephesians 5.22 and, and expect your wife to submit to you, or you've got that verse, Bible verse on the fridge, right? And you're always directing her to the fridge, then ladies, all you need to do is just now remember Ephesians 5.25, right? And says, well, you better die for me, all right? And you can quote each other, right? I'm only joking, right? But the point I want to make is this, right? If we're expecting our wives, right, to have this submissive love, right, to trust us as head, yeah, because we are the person in authority, then we have to ask ourselves the question, are we willing to die for her? Are we willing to have a sacrificial love? And a sacrificial love is also known as a selfless love, right? Because what happens is if we're not careful, in our relationship, it becomes either selfish or selfless, yeah? It's selfish when it's all about me, yeah? You know, I, I go into this marriage because I like her, because she looks so beautiful. Well, wait a minute. If she looks so beautiful, does it mean that it's going to make you feel good about yourself? That's selfish. You know, I go into this relationship called marriage because, you know, when I'm lonely, she's going to be there to keep me occupied. Well, wait a minute. That's very selfish. You understand that, right? Or the whole thing where, you know, well, she's, she's so uh, an amazing cook and she cooks all my amazing dishes. Oh, wow, that's so great. I'm in love and I'm going to marry her. Well, wait a minute. That's very selfish. Selfless, which is sacrificial love, 
It has nothing to do with what I get out of it, but what I put into it. You know, like I want to put into this marriage, I want to put into this relationship, even if it hurts me, even if it's going to cost me something. And what we see here, right, is that Jesus gave up his life. He died because he loved the bride. And for husband, if you want to lead this relationship well, you have to ask yourself the question, is the way I'm treating my wife, right, is it all about my agenda or about her agenda or our agenda? Because when it's about my agenda, my will, my desires and my wants, it becomes very selfish, right? But when it's about her, about the children, about us, it's selfless and it's sacrificial because if it hurts you, it's sacrificial. You know, my wife and I, you know, Tran, I was saying to you before, when we first moved to this old house in Mount Hawthorne, it had a very small hot water tank. Now, nowadays, we, we don't have a hot water tank. We've got this instantaneous hot water. But back then, this house had a very small hot water tank. It would take an, an hour, an hour and a half to fill up with water, and then it's got to boil, right? And then you get to enjoy a nice hot shower. And, and I love long showers, you know? I, just, I don't know. Maybe it's just my kryptonite. I love it, you know? I'm sorry I'm not... I should be more env- environmentally friendly, but I'm not, right? Here I am enjoying a nice hot shower because, you know, I think because I'm a pastor and being a pastor is very stressful, I should be able to, you know, enjoy <laughs> half an hour to 45 minutes of nice hot running water, right? You see where I'm going, right? So anyhow, so I, I come home from work and I'm enjoying the shower and I'm just thinking all about myself. So good, you know? Washing all the sins from off the people off me. <laughs> and anyhow, so my poor wife, my poor wife, Tran, she's, she's, she's a loving wife. This is before kids, and she's, you know, probably doing work. She's working as well, and she's probably come home from work, and she's tired, and she knows that she wants to cook a nice meal, and she's doing all her thing, and then she comes into the shower, and she gets, like, probably 15 seconds. And we usually have arguments over that. This is back in the early days of marriage about, you know, who had the more important jobs in society. Is it the pastor or the environmental health officer? Right? Right. If I was a selfless husband with a sacrificial love, I wouldn't be thinking about myself. I'll think about what I can do to serve her. Whether it is I let her have the shower first and I wait. I wait for 90 minutes. <laughs> Maybe. Or we, you know, have a shower together. I don't know. (laughs) Or we have less time. But that's the point here. Because if you're a husband and you're leading this relationship called marriage and it's all about yourself, that's selfish love. And that's not selfless love. And selfless love is sacrificial love. So you have to ask yourself, how am I leading my marriage? Or am I playing the whole because I'm authority and I'm ruler and I'm the head. Therefore, I want to call all the shots and this is how it's going to be. Well, I don't see that in the text. Are you willing to lay down your life for your wife? Are you willing to say, actually, no, honey, you go ahead. And we need to ask ourselves the question. Because if we're struggling in our relationship because there's no such thing as a sacrificial love, then what you notice, there's no such thing as a submissive love. And that's the reason why in the church, in the church, the divorce rate is just the same as outside the church. It's, we're not immune to it. But clearly, God gives us wonderful tips to see healthy 
marriage is centered around Jesus. It's part of God's design. So when the husband is sacrificial in loving the wife and the wife is submissive in loving the husband, already we see this is going to work out well. This is going to be okay. Fellas, you know it's sacrificial love when it actually hurts you. You know. Because if it doesn't hurt you, then it's most likely a selfish love. Fellas, uh, you know it's sacrificial love when the motive right, is for her, the family. You know that the motive is truly genuine. Fellas, you know it's sacrificial love when you, know, you, you, don't, you, don't, you don't keep scores. You know what I mean by keeping scores? Keeping scores is when you say, well, you know, you did this, well, I'm going to do that. Oh, wait a minute. Um, I did all the dishes last week, honey, therefore you should take the bin out. That's keeping scores. Sacrificial love is, it's okay. I will do that. And as you begin to be sacrificial in your relationship with her, she finds more easy to be submissive. That's what I see in the text. One more, a sanctifying love. Ephesians 5, 26 to 27. This is my third point. He says this, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Wow, now this is tough. So what did Jesus do? Well, we know from the previous point he died for the church, but this point here, the text says that he what? He presented the church holy, without a wrinkle, without blemishes. He presented the church, you know, blameless before God the Father. So husband, listen carefully. We have the responsibility, all right, to present our wives holy, blameless, unblemished before the Lord. Sanctify her. What does it mean? Sanctification... Theologically, it simply means when someone or something has been set apart for God's purpose. In other words, God has set apart Jesus for the purpose of dying on the cross. And now Paul is saying, husband, you have the job of setting apart your wife to be holy, to be blameless, unblemished before the Lord. Are you, as a husband, doing your part in helping her be holy, to be blameless, to be unblemished before the Lord? Are you doing your part in helping her grow spiritually? You see, we have one point for the women, submissive love. We have two points for the fellas, a sacrificial love and a sanctifying love. And what Paul is saying here is, husband, if you want to get your job done right, make sure, right, you want your wife to be like Jesus. Make sure she is doing the things of Jesus. Make sure she's following Jesus. Encourage her when she falls and pick her up so she keeps following Jesus. Encourage her to be on this journey of discipleship. That's what he's saying. That's sanctifying her to present her holy, to present her unblemished, blameless before the Lord. And I ask the fellas, are we doing that? Are we doing that? Or we're saying, well, that's the pastor's job. That's the church's job. That's her responsibility. 
I mean, the text is very clear. That you are to be helping her. That's your role. You are to help her grow spiritually. So I would say this husband, start praying for your wife. Start praying for her daily. Start praying with her daily. Don't just pray when it's dinner time because we're all going to pray around the table. No, no. Make it an effort to remember Ephesians 5 that, hey, my job is to sanctify her in this relationship. So I have to be praying for her. I have to be praying with her. Maybe your job is to encourage her with the Word of God. She might be working somewhere and you are thinking of her and then the Word of God is in your heart. Send her a message. Give her a call. Honey, I just felt led to remind you of whatever. Psalms 37, delight in the Lord and He'll give you the desires of your heart, honey. This is for you. That's how you sanctify her. That's how you present her holy. That's how you encourage her. Maybe it's time for you and your, your wife to be reading the text together, reading the Word of God together. Instead of, this is my devotional time, this is her devotional time, maybe we come together because clearly, in relationship, two becomes one. I don't know. What is God saying to you fellas right now in how you can help her be more like Jesus? I don't know. Maybe there's one thing that God is saying, you are going to do that from this point onwards because by doing that, you're going to help her follow Jesus better. And when you do that, fellas, that's a sanctifying love. Because I think, I think, what happens is a lot of times, we kind of say that this whole spiritual walk between me and God is very private. It's very individualistic. And we say, no, it's just me and Jesus. But I, I feel that the text is saying is that, no, you are to include your spouse on that journey. That you are to do it together. Because as you do that together, you help each other stay on course. You help each other to keep loving Jesus, to keep following Jesus but clearly the text says here, specifically to the husband, you are to sanctify her, to present her unblemished, blameless, holy, without wrinkles before the Lord. And what does that look like for you and your family? Well, maybe this is a good week to slow down and ask, Jesus, what can I do better as a husband? Maybe you are doing really well with the whole area of sacrificial love. Because you're just a great guy, a great husband. She's blessed to have you. Because you're always thinking of her. And you're always, you know, putting her first. That's great. But it's more than that. Are you sanctifying her? Are you doing whatever you can to help her be more like Jesus? That's why I start off the message by saying this. That if you're not married, Paul highlights the guidelines for marriage. Now ask yourself the question, do I really want to get married? Because if you do, then wives have a submissive love in their relationship. Respect Him. Honor Him. If right now God is speaking to you and you feel that, wait a minute, I haven't honored my husband, I show disrespect, change. Please repent and change. Please. It is God's will in marriage that you submit to Him. Husband, is the way you love your wives sacrificial? Has it always been about you? 
If it has changed, please change. Repent and change. Stop it. Tell him you're sorry. Ask Holy Spirit to help you change so that you can really lead her well, that your love for her is sacrificial. And then husband, ask, are you intentional with presenting her holy, unblemished, blameless before the Lord? Are you sanctifying her with your love? If not, ask Him to help you. Oh, well, Pastor Ben, you know, she's a mature Christian, and I'm not. It's got nothing to do with maturity here. No way. Oh, Pastor, you don't get it. She was the one that led me to the Lord. I'm still a baby in the faith. She's a grandmother in the faith, you know. No, it's got nothing to do with that. You just live in that grace that God has called you. You are to lead her. You might have a verse that God has placed in your heart. Read it over her. You might be the one who should initiate, hey, honey, we should pray together. We should do a devotion daily. We can do this. When you start leading like that, she's going to see the authority in you and the godly responsibility, and she will submit in a godly way. That's how I see this text here. And I want to encourage you, Springs, to keep that in mind. If you are married, what a blessing, what a grace of God, amen, in giving you that gift. But keep in mind that your relationship ultimately points to Jesus and the church. For those who are not married, they're the guidelines for a marriage centered in Christ. A submissive love, a sacrificial love, a sanctifying love. Ask yourself the question, do I still want to get into this? If so, speak to Pastor Dave. <laughs> Shall I pray for you? Let me pray for you. Yes, God, thank you so much, Lord, for your word. Thank you so much for just amazing word to encourage us, to help us. Um, Lord, I, I pray right now for all the wives in this church here that you will bless them, that uh, no one is offended through the text this morning. But Holy Spirit, that you will give a grace and a humility to really submit, to really respect and honor the man that you have placed in their world. I pray for all the fellas, all the husbands, that they understand how Jesus gave up his life for the church. That there is a sacrificial love, there is a sanctifying love as they do whatever they can to present their lovely wives wholly before you. For those who are not married, those who are single, Lord, I pray that they understand that true joy is in you alone and not in human relationship. It is creator and creation. I pray, God, for those who desire to look for a partner, that they have a good understanding of biblical marriage, and Lord, that they would enter into this relationship understanding what you design for humanity. So Lord, anything that you're teaching us or reminding us, convicting us this morning, will you help us to change? Will you help us to keep trusting you? Lord, we don't want to be the same, God. We want to be changing season after season. Keep working in us, Lord. We thank you so much. Bless this church. Thank you so much for just the relationship I've had with this church for many years. I pray for this church here, God. I pray also for the 25th of September when they have that uh, um, big drive for the air conditioning. I pray in faith, God, that they will get the, the amount of 50,000, God. 
right now, Lord, that you would just begin to speak to people, that you would just soften people's heart, and that there is a spirit of obedience, a spirit of generosity as we give towards this amount. And I pray the next time I'm here, woohoo, there'll be air conditioning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you.